Stand By for Places presents Tartuffe by Moliere, directed by Benjamin Mandel. Starring E. James Ford, Matthew Corey, William Burns, Margie Zarcone, Jalissa Fulton, Casey Bradley, Malcolm Minor, Anna Mae Gordon, and Benjamin Mandel. Come, come, Flipote, it's time I left this place. I can't keep up, you walk at such a pace. Don't trouble, child, no need to show me out. It's not your manners I'm concerned about. We merely pay you the respect we owe. But mother, why this hurry? Must you go? I must. This house appalls me. No one in it will pay attention for a single minute. Children, I take my leave much vexed in spirit. I offer good advice, but you won't hear it. You all break in and chatter on and on. It's like a madhouse with the keeper gone. If, girl, you talk too much, and I'm afraid you're far too saucy for a lady's maid. You push in everywhere and have your say. But you, boy, grow more foolish every day to think my grandson should be such a dunce. I've said it a hundred times if I've said it once. That if you keep the course on which you've started, you'll leave your worthy father broken-hearted. I think that... And you, his sister, seem so pure, so shy, so innocent, and so demure. But you know what they say about still waters. God, I pity parents with secretive daughters. Now, mother! And as for you... Child, let me add that your behavior is extremely bad and a poor example for these children too. Their dear dead mother did far better than you. You're much too free with money and I'm distressed to see you so elaborately dressed. When it's one's husband that one aims to please, one has no need of costly fripperies. Oh, madam, really? You are her brother, sir, and... I respect and love you, yet, if I were my son, this lady's good and pious spouse, I wouldn't make you welcome in my house. You're full of worldly counsels, which I fear aren't suitable for decent folk to hear. Your man, Tartuffe, is full of holy speeches. And practices precisely what he preaches. He's a fine man and should be listened to. I will not hear him mocked by fools like you. Good God! Do you expect me to submit to the tyranny of that carping hypocrite? Must we forego all joys and satisfactions because that bigot censures all our actions? To hear him talk, and he talks all the time, mm-hmm. and there's nothing one can do that's not a crime. He rails at everything, your dear Tartuffe. Whatever he reproves of deserves reproof. He's out to save your souls, and all of you must love him as my son would have you do. (laughs) No, grandmother. I could never take to such a rascal, even for my father's sake. That's how I feel, and I shall not dissemble. His every action makes me seethe and tremble with helpless anger, and I have no doubt that he and I will shortly have it out. Surely it is a shame and a disgrace to see this man usurp the master's place, to see this beggar who, when first he came, had not a shoe or a shoestring to his name. So far forget himself that he behaves as if the house were his, and we his slaves. Nonsense! You all regard him with distaste and fear, because... 
He tells you what you're loath to hear, condemns your sins, points out your moral flaws, and humbly strives to further heaven's cause. If sin is all that bothers him, why is it he's so upset when folk drop in to visit, hmm? Is heaven so outraged by a social call that he must prophesy against us all? I'll tell you what I think, if, if you ask me. He's jealous of my mistress's company. Rubbish! He's not alone, child, in complaining of all your promiscuous entertaining. Why? The whole neighborhood's upset. I know by these carriages that come and go with crowds of guests parading in and out and noisy servants loitering about. In all of this, I'm sure there is nothing vicious but... Why give people cause to be suspicious? They need no cause. They'll talk in any case. Madam, this world would be a joyless place if, fearing what malicious tongues might say, we locked our doors and turned our friends away. One can't fight slander, it's a losing battle. Let us instead ignore their tittle-tattle. Let's strive to live by conscience's clear decrees and let the gossips gossip as they please. Those who have the greatest cause for guilt and shame are quickest to besmirch a neighbor's name. When there's a chance for libel, they'll never miss it when something can be made to seem illicit. By talking up their neighbor's indiscretions, they seek to camouflage their own transgressions, hoping that others' innocent affairs will lend a hue of innocence to theirs, or that their own black guilt will come to seem part of a general's shady color scheme. That sort of talk is what you like to hear. Therefore, you'd have us all keep still, my dear, while Madam rattles on the live-long day. Nevertheless, I mean to have my say. I tell you that you're blessed to have Tartuffe dwelling as my son's guest beneath this roof, that heaven has sent him to forestall its wrath by leading you once more. <laughs> I heard that laugh, oh. sir. And I saw that wink. Ooh, go find your silly friends and laugh some more. Enough, I'm going, oh, don't show me to the door. I leave this household much dismayed and vexed. I cannot say when I shall see you next. Wake up. Don't stand there gaping into space. I'll slap that sense into that stupid face. Move. Move, you slut. I think I'll stay behind. I want no further pieces of her mind, how that old lady- Oh, what wouldn't she say if she could hear you speak of her that way? She'd thank you for the lady, but I'm sure she'd find the old a little premature. My, what a scene she made, and what a din, and how this man Tartuffe has taken her in. Yes, but her son is even worse deceived. His folly must be seen to be believed. In late troubles, he played an able part and served the government with wise and loyal heart, but he's quite lost his senses since he fell beneath Tartuffe's infatuating spell. He calls him brother and loves him as his life, preferring him to mother, child, or wife. In him and him alone will he confide. He's made him his confessor and his guide. He pets and pampers him with love more tender than any mistress could engender. Gives him the place of honor when they dine. Delights to see him gorging like a swine. Stuffs him with dainties till his guts descend. And when he belches, cries, God bless you, friend! <laughs> Tartuffe, much pleased to find so easy a victim, has in a hundred ways beguiled and tricked him. 
milked him of money, and with his permission established here some sort of inquisition. Even Laurent, his lackey, dares to give us arrogant advice on how to live. He sermonizes us in thundering tones and confiscates our ribbons and colognes. Last week, he tore a kerchief into pieces because he found it pressed in a life of Jesus. He said it was a sin to juxtapose unholy vanities and holy prose. You did well not to follow. She stood in the door and said verbatim all she'd said before. I saw my husband coming. I think I'd best go upstairs now and take a little rest. I'll wait and greet him here, then I must go. I've really only time to say hello. Sound him about my sister's wedding, please. I think Tartuffe's against it and that he's been urging Father to withdraw his blessing, as you well know, I'd find that most distressing. And I'm determined. He's coming. Ah, brother, good day. Well, welcome back. I'm sorry, I can't stay. How was the country? Blooming, I trust, and green? Excuse me, brother, just one moment. Doreen, to put my mind at rest, I always learn the household news the moment I return. Has all been well these two days I've been gone? How are the family? What's been going on? Your wife two days ago had a bad fever and a fierce headache which refused to leave her. And Tartuffe. Tartuffe? Why, he's round and red, bursting with health and excellently fed. Poor fellow. That night the mistress was unable to take a single bite at the dinner table. Her headache pains, she said, were simply hellish. Ah, and Tartuffe. He ate his meal with relish and zealously devoured it in her presence, a leg of mutton and a brace of pheasants. Poor fellow. Well, the pains continued strong, and so she tossed and tossed the whole night long. Now I see cold, now burning like a flame. We sat beside her bed till morning came. Uh, and Tartuffe. Why, having eaten, he rose and sought his room already in a doze, got into his warm bed and snored away in perfect peace until the break of day. Oh, the poor fellow. After much ado, we talked her into dispatching someone for the doctor. He bled her and the fever quickly fell. And, and, and Tartuffe. He bore it very well. To keep his cheerfulness at any cost, and to make up for the blood Madame had lost, he drank at lunch four beakers full of port. Poor fellow. Both are doing well, in short. I'll go and tell Madame you've expressed keen sympathy and anxious interest. That girl was laughing in your face, and though I've no wish to offend you, even so, I'm bound to say that she had some excuse. How can you possibly be such a goose? Are you so dazed by this man's hocus-pocus that all the world, save him, is out of focus? You've given him clothing, shelter, food, and care. Why must you also... Brother, stop right there. You do not know the man of whom you speak. I grant you that, but my judgment's not so weak that I can't tell by his effect on others. Ah, oh, when you meet him, you two will be like brothers. There's been no loftier soul since time began. He is a man who... Um, a man who... He's an excellent man. To, to keep his precepts is to be reborn and view this dunghill of a world with scorn. Yes, thanks to him, I'm a changed man indeed. Under his tutelage, my soul's been freed from earthly loves and every human tie. My mother, children, brother, and wife could die, and I'd not feel a single moment's pain. That's a fine sentiment, brother. Most humane. Oh, 
had you seen Tartuffe as I first knew him, your heart, like mine, would have surrendered to him. He used to come into our church each day and humbly kneel nearby and start to pray. He'd draw the eyes of everybody there by the deep fervor of his heartfelt prayer. He'd sigh and weep, and sometimes with the sound of rapture, he would bend and kiss the ground. His serving man, no less devout than he, informed me of his master's poverty. I gave him gifts, but in his humbleness, he'd beg me every time to give him less. Oh, that's too much, he'd cry, too much by twice. I don't deserve it, the half, sir, would suffice. And when I wouldn't take it back, he'd share half of it with the poor right then and there. At length, heaven prompted me to take him in to dwell with us and free our souls from sin. He guides our lives and to protect mine honor, stays by my wife and keeps an eye upon her. He tells me whom she sees and all she does and seems more jealous than I ever was. Good God, man, have you lost your common sense? Or is this all some joke at my expense? How can you stand there in all sobriety? Brother, your language savors of impiety. Too much free thinking's made your faith unsteady. And as I've warned you many times already, twill get you into trouble before you're through. So I've been told before by dupes like you. Spare me your warnings, brother. I have no fear of speaking out for you and heaven to hear against affected zeal and pious knavery. There's true and false in piety as in bravery, and just as those whose courage shines the most in battle are the least inclined to boast, so those whose hearts are truly pure and lowly don't make a flashy show of being holy. There's a vast difference, so it seems to me, between true piety and hypocrisy. Ah, brother, man's a strangely fashioned creature who seldom is content to follow nature, but recklessly pursues his inclination beyond the narrow bounds of moderation, and often, by transgressing reason's laws, perverts a lofty aim or noble cause. I see, dear brother, that you're profoundly wise. You harbor all the insight of the age. You are our one clear mind, our only sage. Brother, I don't pretend to be a sage, nor have I all the wisdom of the age. There's just one insight that I would dare to claim. I know that true and false are not the same. And just as there is nothing I more revere than a soul whose faith is steadfast and sincere, nothing I more cherish and admire than honest zeal and true religious fire, so there is nothing that I find more base than specious piety's dishonest face. Now and then, dear brother, is your speech concluded? Why, yes. Your servant, sir. No, brother, wait. There's one more matter. You agreed of late that young Valere might have your daughter's hand. I did. And set the date, I understand. Quite so. You've now postponed it, is that true? No doubt. The match no longer pleases you? Who knows? Do you mean to go back on your word? I won't say that. Has anything occurred which might entitle you to break your pledge? Perhaps. Why must you hem and haw and hedge? The boy asked me to sound you in this affair. It's been a pleasure. But what shall I tell Valère? Whatever you like. But what have you decided? What are your plans? I plan, sir, to be guided by heaven's will. Come, brother, don't talk rot. You've given Valère your word. Will you keep it or not? Good day. This looks like poor Valère's undoing. I'll go and warn him that there's trouble brewing. <clears throat> Marianne! Father? A word with you. Come here. What are you looking for? Eavesdroppers, dear. I'm making sure we shan't be overheard. Someone in there could catch our every word. Ah. Good, we're safe. Now, 
Marianne, my child, you're a sweet girl who's tractable and mild, whom I hold dear and think most highly of. I'm deeply grateful, Father, for your love. Oh, that's well said, daughter, and you can repay me if, in all things, you'll cheerfully obey me. To please you, sir, is what delights me best. Oh, good, good. Now, what do you think of Tartuffe, our guest? I, sir? Yes. Uh, weigh your answer. Think it through. <laughs> oh, dear. I'll, I'll say whatever you wish me to. <laughs> oh, that's wisely said, my daughter. Say of him, then, that he's the very worthiest of men, and that you're fond of him and would rejoice in being his wife, if that should be my choice. Well. What? What's that? I... Well? For, forgive me, pray. Did you not hear me? Of whom, sir, must I say that I am fond of him and would rejoice in being his wife, if that should be your choice? Why, of Tartuffe? But, father, that's false, <laughs> you know. Why would you have me say what isn't so? Because I am resolved it shall be true, that it's my wish should be enough for you. You can't mean, father. <laughs> yes, Tartuffe shall be allied by marriage to this family, and he's to be your husband, is that clear? It's a father's privilege. What are you doing in here? Is curiosity so fierce a passion with you that you must eavesdrop in this fashion? There's lately been a rumor going about, based on some hunch or chance remark, no doubt, that you mean Marianne to wed Tartuffe? I've laughed it off, of course, as just a spoof. You find it so incredible? Yes, I do! I won't accept this story, even from you! <laughs> well, you'll believe it when the thing is done. Oh, yes, yes, of course! Go on and have your fun! I've never been more serious in my life. <laughs> Daughter, I mean it, you're to be his wife! <laughs> no, don't believe your father, it's all a hoax. See here, young woman. Come, sir, no more jokes. You can't fool us. How dare you talk that way? All right, then. We believe you. Sad to say. But how a man like you, who looks so wise and wears a mustache of such splendid size, can be so foolish as to- Silence! Please, my girl, you take too many liberties. I'm master here, as you must not forget. Do. Let's discuss this calmly. Don't be upset. You can't be serious, sir, about this plan. What should that bigot want with Marianne? Why should a man of property, like you, pick out a beggar son-in-law? That will do. Speak of his poverty with reverence. He is a pure and saintly indigence, which far transcends all worldly pride and pelf. He lost his fortune, as he says himself, because he cared for heaven alone, and so was careless of his interests here below. I mean to get him out of his present straits and help him to recover his estates, which in his part of the world have no small fame. Poor though he is, he's a gentleman just the same. Yes, so he tells us. And sir, it seems to me such pride goes very ill with piety. But this approach, I see, has drawn a blank. Let's speak then of his person, not his rank. Doesn't it seem to you a trifle grim to give a girl like her to a man like him? When two are so ill-suited, can't you see what sad consequence is bound to be? A young girl's virtue is imperiled, sir, when such a marriage is imposed on her. It's hard to be a faithful wife, in short, to certain husbands of a certain sort. A father who gives his daughter to a man she hates must answer for her sins at heaven's gates. Think, sir, before you play so risky a role. 
This servant girl presumes to save my soul. You would do well to ponder what I've said. Daughter, we'll disregard this dunderhead. Just trust your father's judgment. Oh, I'm aware that I once promised you to young Valer, but now I hear he gambles, which, which greatly shocks me. And what's more, I have doubts about his orthodoxy. His visits to church, I note, are very few. Would you have him go at the same hours as you and kneel nearby to be sure being seen? I can dispense with such remarks, Doreen. Tartuffe, however, is sure of heaven's blessing, and that's the only treasure worth possessing. And she'll make him a cuckold. Just wait and see. What language? Oh, he's a man of destiny. He's made for horns, and what the stars demand, your daughter's virtue surely can't withstand. Don't interrupt me further. Why can't you learn that certain things are none of your concern? It's for your own sake that I interfere. Almost kind of you. Now hold your tongue, do you hear? If I didn't love you... S spare me your affection. I'll love you, sir, in spite of your objection. Blast! I can't bear it, sir, for your honor's sake, to let you make this ludicrous mistake. You mean to go on talking? If I didn't protest this sinful marriage, my conscience couldn't rest. If you don't hold your tongue, you little shrew. What, lost your temper, a pious man like you? Yes, yes, you talk and talk. I'm maddened by it. Once and for all, I tell you to be quiet. Well, I'll be quiet, but I'll be thinking hard. Oh, think all you like, but you had better guard that saucy tongue of yours or I'll... Oh. Now, child, I've weighed this matter fully. It drives me wild that I can't speak. Tartuffe is no young dandy, but still his person... Is as sweet as candy. Is such that even if you shouldn't care for his other... Merits? They'll make a lovely pair. If I were she, no man would marry me against my inclination and go scot-free. He'd learn before the wedding day was over how readily a wife can find a lover. It seems you treat my orders as a joke. Why? What's the matter? T'was not to you I spoke. What were you doing? Talking to myself, that's all. <laughs> One more bit of impudence and gone, I shall give her a good slap in the face. Daughter, you shall accept, and with good grace, the husband I've selected, your wedding day. Why don't you talk to yourself? I have nothing to say. Calm, just one word. No, thank you, sir. I'll pass. Come, speak. I'm waiting. I'd not be such an ass. In short, dear daughter, I mean to be obeyed, and you must bow to the sound choice I've made. I'd not wed such a monster, even in jest. Daughter! The maid of yours is a thorough pest. She makes me sinfully annoyed and nettled. I I can't speak further. My nerves are too unsettled. She so upset me by her insolent talk, I'll calm myself by going for a walk. Well, have you lost your tongue, girl? Must I play your part and say the lines you ought to say? Face with a fate so hideous and absurd, can you not utter one dissenting word? What good would it do? A father's power is great. Resist him now, or it will be too late. But... Tell him one cannot love on a father's whim, that you shall marry for yourself, not him. That since it's you who are to be the bride, it's you, not he, who must be satisfied. And that if his tartuffe is so sublime, he's free to marry him at any time. I've bowed so long to father's strict control. 
I couldn't oppose him now to save my soul. Come, come, Marianne, do listen to reason, won't you? <laughs> Valir has asked for your hand. Do you love him or don't you? You know the depths of my affection for him. I've told you a hundred times how I adore him. I don't believe in everything I hear. Who knows if your professions were sincere? They were, Doreen, and you do me wrong to doubt it. Heaven knows that I've been all too frank about it. You love him, then? Oh, more than I can express. And he, I take it, cares for you, no law. I think so. And you both, with equal fire, bound to be married. That is our one desire. What of Tartuffe, then? What of your father's plan? I'll kill myself if I'm forced to wed that man. I hadn't thought of that recourse. How splendid. Just die and all your troubles will be ended. A fine solution. <laughs> oh, it maddens me to hear you talk in that self-pitying key. Doreen, how harsh you are. It's most unfair. You have no sympathy for my despair. I've none at all for people who talk drivel and faced with difficulties whine and snivel. No doubt I'm timid, but it would be wrong. True love requires a heart that's firm and strong. I'm strong in my affection for Valère, but coping with my father is his affair. But if your father's brain has grown so cracked over his dear Tartuffe that he can retract his blessing, though your wedding day was named, it's surely not Valir who's to be blamed. If I defied my father, as you suggest, would it not seem huh, unmaidenly at best? Shall I defend my love at the expense of uh, brazenness and disobedience? Shall I parade my heart's desires and flaunt? No, I ask nothing of you. Clearly, you want to be Mrs. Tartuffe, and I feel bound not to oppose a wish so very sound. What right have I to criticize the match? Indeed, my dear, the man's a brilliant catch, Mr. Tartuffe. <laughs> now there's a man of weight. Yes, yes! Mr. Tartuffe, I'm bound to state, is quite a person that's not to be denied. Twill be no little thing to be his pride. Dear God. Oh, how triumphant you will feel at having caught a husband so ideal. Oh, do stop teasing and use your cleverness to get me out of this appalling mess. Advise me, and I'll do whatever you say. Ah, no, a dutiful daughter must obey her father, even if he weds her to an ape. You've a bright future. Why struggle to escape? Your husband Doreen, is... I beg of you. No, you deserve it. This marriage must go through. Doreen! No. Not Tartuffe, you know I think him. Tartuffe's your <sighs> cup of tea, and you shall drink him. I've always told you everything and belied. No, you deserve to be tartuffified. Well, since you mock me and refuse to care, I'll henceforth seek my solace in despair. Despair shall be my counselor and friend and help me bring my sorrows to an end. There now, come back. My anger has subsided. You do deserve some pity, I've decided. Doreen, if father makes me undergo this dreadful martyrdom, I'll die, I know. Don't fret. It won't be difficult to discover some plan of action. But here's Valir, your lover. 
Madam, I've just received some wondrous news regarding which I'd like to hear your views. What news? You're marrying Tartuffe. I find that father does have such a match in mind. Your father, madam... Has just this minute said that it's Tartuffe he wishes me to wed. Can he be serious? Oh, indeed he can. He's clearly set his heart upon the plan. And what position do you propose to take, madame? Why, I don't know. For heaven's sake. You don't know? Advise me, do. Marry the man. That's my advice to you. That's your advice? Yes. Truly. Oh, absolutely. You couldn't choose more wisely, more astutely. Oh, thanks for this counsel. I'll follow it, of course. Do, do. I'm sure it will cost you no remorse. To give it didn't cause your heart to break. I gave it, madam, only for your sake. And it's for your sake that I take it, sir. Let's see which fool will prove the stubborner. So, I am nothing to you. And it was flat deception when you... Please, enough of that. You've told me plainly that I should agree to wed the man that my father's chosen for me. And since you've deigned to counsel me so wisely, I promise, sir, to do as you advise me. Ah, uh, no. T'was not by me that you were swayed. No. Your decision was already made. Though now, to save appearances, you protest that you're betraying me at my behest. Alas, you're free to think so if you choose. I choose to think so, and here's a bit of news. You've spurned my hand, but I know where to turn for kinder treatment, as you shall quickly learn. I'm sure you do. Your noble qualities inspire affection. Forget my qualities, please. They don't inspire you over much, I find, but there's another lady I have in mind whose sweet and generous nature will not scorn to compensate me for the loss that I bore. Now, <laughs> that's a fine, high-minded sentiment. One to which any sane man would assent. Oh, would you prefer it if I pined away in hopeless passion till my dying day? Go then. Counsel yourself. Don't hesitate. I wish you to, indeed. I cannot wait. You wish me to? Yes. That's the final straw. Madam, farewell. Your wish shall be my law. Splendid. This breach, remember, is of your making. It's you who've driven me to the step I'm taking. Oh, of course. But remember, too, that I am merely following your example. I see that clearly. Enough. I'll go and do your bidding, then. Good. You shall never see my face again. Excellent. Yes? What? Uh, what's that? W what did you say? Nothing. You're dreaming. Ah, well, I'm on my way. Farewell, madame. Farewell. If you ask me, both of you are as mad as mad can be. Do stop this nonsense. Now, I've only let you squabble so long to see where it would get you. Whoa there, dearest Valir. What's this, Doreen? Come here. No, no, my heart's too full of spleen. Stop. It's too late now. My decision's made. Oh, Pooh. He hates the sight of me, that's plain. I'll, I'll go and so deliver him from pain. And now you run away. Come back. No, no, nothing you say will keep me here. Let go. She cannot bear my presence, I perceive. To spare her further torment, 
I shall leave. Again, you'll not escape, sir. Don't you try it. Come here, you two. Stop fussing and be quiet. What do you want of me? What is the point of this? We're going to have a little armistice. Now, weren't you so silly to get so overheated? Didn't you see how badly I was treated? Aren't you a simpleton to have lost your head? Didn't you hear the hateful things he said? You're both great fools. Her sole desire, Valir, is to be yours in marriage. To that I'll swear. He loves you only, and he wants no wife but you, Marianne. On that I'll stake my life. Then why you advised me so I cannot see? On such a question, why ask advice of me? Oh, you're impossible. Give me your hands, you two. Yours first. But why? And now a hand from you. What are you doing? There. A perfect fit. You suit each other better than you'll admit. Ah, come. Don't be so haughty. Give a man a look of kindness, won't you, Marianne? I tell you, lovers are completely mad. Now come. Confess that you were very bad to hurt my feelings as you did just now. I have a just complaint you must allow. You must allow that you were most unpleasant. Let's table that discussion for the present. Your father has a plan which must be stopped. Advise us then what means must we adopt. We'll use all manner of means and all at once. Your father's addled. He's acting like a dunce. Therefore, you better humor the old fossil. Pretend to yield to him, be sweet and docile, and then postpone as often as necessary the day on which you have agreed to marry. If all else fails, no man can marry you unless you take his ring and say, I do. But now, let's separate. If they could find us talking here, our plot might be divined. Go to your friends and tell them what's occurred and have them urge her father to keep his word. Meanwhile, We'll stir her brother into action. Oh, and get Elmir as well to join our faction. <laughs> Goodbye. Though each of us will do his best, it's your true heart on which my hopes shall rest. Regardless of what father may decide, none but Valer shall claim me as his bride. Oh, how those words content me, come what will. Ugh, lovers, lovers, their tongues are never still. Be off now! One last word, I... No time to chat. You leave by this door, and you leave by that. Oh, may lightning strike me even as I speak. May all men call me cowardly and weak. If any fear or scruple holds me back from settling things at once with that great quack. Now, don't give way to violent emotion. <sighs> Your fathers merely talked about this notion, and words and deeds are far from being one. Much that is talked about is left undone. No! I must stop that scoundrel's machinations! I'll go and tell him off. <clears throat> I'm out of patience. Do calm down and be practical. I had rather my mistress dealt with him and with your father. She has some influence with Tartuffe, I've noted. He hangs upon her words, seems most devoted, and may indeed be smitten by her charm. Pray heaven it's true, twould do our cause no harm. She sent for him just now to sound him out on this affair that you're so incensed about. She'll find out where he stands, and tell him, too, what dreadful strife and trouble will ensue if he lends countenance to your father's plan. I couldn't get in to see him, but his man says he's almost finished with his prayers. Go now. I'll catch him when he comes downstairs. 
I want to hear this conference and I will. No, they must be alone. Oh, I'll keep still. They're not you. I know your temper. You'll start a brawl and shout and stamp your foot and spoil it all. Just go on. I won't. I mean, I have a perfect right. Lord, you're a nuisance. He's coming. Get out of sight. Hang up my hair shirt, put my scourge in place, and pray, Laurent, for heaven's perpetual grace. I'm going to the prison now um, to share my last few coins with the poor wretches there. Dear God, what affectation. What a fake. You wish to see me? Yes. Oh, for mercy's sake, please take this handkerchief before you speak. What? Cover that bosom, girl. The flesh is weak, and unclean thoughts are difficult to control. Such sights as that can undermine the soul. Your soul, it seems, has very poor defenses, and flesh <laughs> makes quite an impact on your senses. It's strange you're so easily excited. My own desires are not so soon ignited, and if I saw you naked as a beast, not all your hide would tempt me in the least. Girls, speak more modestly. Unless you do, I shall be forced to take my leave of you. Oh, no, it's I who must be on my way. I, I've just one little message to convey. Madame is coming down and begs you, sir, to wait and have a word or two with her. Oh, gladly. That had a softening effect. I think my guess about him was correct. Will she be long? No, that's her step I hear. Ah, here she is, and I shall disappear. Ah. May heaven, whose infinite goodness we adore, preserve your body and soul forevermore, and bless your days, and answer thus the plea of one who is your humblest votary. <laughs> I thank you for that pious wish. <laughs> <laughs> but please, do take a chair, and let's be more at ease. I trust that you are once more well and strong. Oh, yes. The fever didn't last for long. My prayers are too unworthy, I am sure, to have gained from heaven this most gracious cure. But lately, madam, my every supplication has had for object your recuperation. Oh, you shouldn't have troubled so. I don't deserve it. Your health is priceless, madam, and to preserve it, I'd gladly give my own in all sincerity. Sir, you outdo us all in Christian charity. You've been most kind. I count myself your debtor. Oh, t'was nothing, madam. I long to serve you better. There's a private matter I'm anxious to discuss. I'm glad there's no one here to hinder us. Uh, I... Too am glad. It floods my heart with bliss to find myself alone with you like this. For just this chance I've prayed with all my power, but prayed in vain until this happy hour. This won't take long, sir, and I hope you'll be entirely frank and unconstrained with me. Indeed, there's nothing I had rather do than bear my inmost heart and soul to you. First... Let me say that what remarks I've made about the constant visits you are paid were prompted not by any mean emotion, but rather by a pure and deep devotion, a fervent zeal. Uh, no need for explanation. Your sole concern, I'm sure, was my salvation. Quite so, and such <laughs> great 
fervor do I feel? Ow! Please! You're pinching! I never meant to cause you pain, I swear. I'd rather... What can your hand be doing there? Feeling your gown. What soft, fine, woven uh, stuff. Please, I'm extremely ticklish. That's enough! Oh my, my, what lovely lace work on your dress. The workmanship's miraculous, no less. I've not seen anything to equal it. Yes, quite, but let's talk business for a bit. They say my husband means to break his word and give his daughter to you, sir. Had you heard? He did once mention it, but I confess I dream of quite a different happiness. It's elsewhere, madam, that my eyes discern the promise of that bliss for which I yearn. I see. You care for nothing here below. Ah. Well... My heart's not made of stone, you know. All your desires mount heavenward, I'm sure, in scorn of all that's earthly and impure. A love of heavenly beauty does not preclude a proper love for earthly pulchritude. Our senses are quite rightly captivated by perfect works our maker has created. Some glory clings to all that heaven has made in you. All heaven's marvels are displayed. On that fair face, such beauties have been lavished. The eyes are dazzled and the heart is ravished. How could I look on you, oh flawless creature, and not adore the author of all nature? Feeling a love both passionate and pure for you, his triumph of self-portraiture. It is, I know, presumptuous on my part to bring you this poor offering of my heart, and it is not my merit, heaven knows, but your compassion on which my hopes repose. You are my peace, my solace, my salvation. On you depends my bliss or desolation. I bide your judgment, and as you think best, I shall be either miserable or blessed. Uh, your declaration is most gallant. Sir, but don't you think it's out of character? You would have done better to restrain your passion and think before you spoke in such a fashion. It ill becomes a pious man like you. I may be pious, but I'm human too. With your celestial charms before his eyes, a man has not the power to be wise. I know such words sound strangely coming from me, but I'm no angel, nor was meant to be. And if you blame my passion, you must needs reproach as well the charms on which it feeds. I'll raise to you, in thanks for that sweet manna, an endless hymn, an infinite hosanna. With me, of course, there need be no anxiety, no fear of scandal or of notoriety. My keen concern for my good name ensures the absolute security of yours. In short, I offer you, my dear Elmire, love without scandal, pleasure without fear. I've heard your well-turned speeches to the end, and <laughs> what you urge I clearly apprehend. Aren't you afraid that I may take a notion to tell my husband of your warm devotion? And that, supposing he were duly told, his feelings toward you might go rather cold. I know, dear lady, that your exceeding charity will lead your heart to pardon my temerity. 
that you'll excuse my violent affection as human weakness, human imperfection. And that, oh, fairest, you will bear in mind that I am but flesh and blood and am not blind. Some women might do otherwise, perhaps, but I shall be discreet about your lapse. I'll tell my husband nothing of what's occurred if, in return, you'll give your solemn word to advocate as forcefully as you can the marriage of Valir and Marianne, renouncing all desire to dispossess another of his rightful happiness and... Uh, no! <laughs> we'll not hush up this vile affair. I heard it all inside that closet there. Where heaven, in order to confound the pride of this great rascal, prompted me to hide. Ah, now I have my long-awaited chance to punish his deceit and arrogance and give my father clear and shocking proof of the black character of his dear Tartuffe. Ah, uh, no, dummies! I'll be content if he will study to deserve my leniency. <laughs> I've promised silence. Don't make me break my word. To make a scandal would be too absurd. Good wives laugh off such trifles and forget them. Why should they tell their husbands and upset them? You have your reasons for taking such a course, and I have reasons too, of equal force. To spare him now would be insanely wrong. I've swallowed my just wrath for far too long and watched this insolent bigot bringing strife and bitterness into our family life. It's high time that my father was undeceived, and now I've proof that can't be disbelieved. This is my chance, and I deserve to lose it, if for one moment I hesitate to use it. Dummies. I know! I must do what I think right. Madam, my heart is bursting with delight. And say whatever you will, I'll not consent to lose the sweet revenge on which I'm bent. I'll settle matters without more ado, and here, most opportunely, is my cue. <clears throat> Father, I'm glad you've joined us. Let us advise you of some fresh news which doubtless will surprise you. You've just now been repaid with interest for all your loving kindness to our guest. He's proved his warm and grateful feelings toward you. It's with a pair of horns he would reward you. Yes, what? I surprised him with your wife and heard his whole adulterous offer, every word. She, with all her too gentle disposition, would not have told you of his proposition. But I shall not make terms with brazen lechery and feel that not to tell you would be treachery. And I hold that one's husband's peace of mind should not be spoiled by tattle of this kind. <laughs> These are my sentiments, and I wish, dummies, that you had heeded me and held your peace. Can it be true, this dreadful thing I hear? Um, yes, <gasps> brother. I'm a wicked man, I fear. A wretched sinner, all depraved and twisted. The greatest villain that has ever existed. My life's one heap of crimes which grows each minute. There's not but foulness and corruption in it. And I perceive that heaven outraged by me has chosen this occasion to mortify me. 
charge me with any deed you wish to name. I'll not defend myself, but take the blame. Believe what you are told and drive Tartuffe like some base criminal from beneath your roof. Yes, drive me hence, and with a parting curse, I shan't protest, for I deserve far worse. Oh, you deceitful boy. How dare you try to stain his purity with so foul a lie! What? Are you taken in by such a bluff? Did you not hear? Enough, you rogue, enough! Brother, let him speak. You're being unjust. Believe his story. The boy deserves your trust. Why, after all, should you have faith in me? How can you know what I might do or be? Is it on my good actions that you base your favor? Do you trust my pious face? Ah, oh, no. Don't be deceived by hollow shows. I am far, alas, from being what men suppose. Though the world takes me for a man of worth, I am truly the most worthless man on earth. Yes. My dear son. Speak out now. Call me the chief of sinners. A wretch, a murderer, a thief. Load me with all the names men most abhor. I'll not complain. I've earned them all and more. I'll kneel here while you pour them on my head as a just punishment for the life I've led. This is too much, dear brother. <laughs> Have you no art? Are you so hoodwinked by this rascal's art? I mean- We still, you monster! Brother, I pray you, rise. <laughs> Villain! But he just- Silence! Can't you realize- Just one word more and I'll tear you limb from limb. In God's name, brother, don't be harsh with him. I'd rather far be tortured at the stake than see him bear one scratch for my poor sake. Ingrate! If I must bend you on bended knee to pardon him. Oh, such goodness cannot be! Now, there's true charity. What? You just... Villain, be still! I know your motives. I know you wish him ill. Yes, all of you, wife, children, servants, all, conspire against him and desire his fall, employing every shameful trick you can to alienate me from this saintly man. <laughs> but the more you seek to drive him away, the more I'll do to keep him. Without delay, I'll spite this household and confound its pride by giving him my daughter as his bride. You're going to force her to accept his hand? Yes, and this very night, do you understand? I shall defy you all and make it clear that I'm the one who gives the orders here. Come, wretch. Kneel down and clasp his blessed feet and ask his pardon for your black deceit. I ask that swindler's pardon? <laughs> Why, I I'd rather just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you insult him and defy your father. A stick! A stick! No! No! Release me! Do! Out of my house! This minute! Be off with you! I never dare set foot in it again. Well, I... I shall go, but... Well, I... go quickly, then. I disinherit you. An empty purse is all you'll get from me. Except my curse. How he blasphemed your good name. Oh, what a son! Forgive him, Lord, 
as I've already done. Oh. You can't know how it hurts when someone tries to blacken me in my dear brother's eyes. Oh. Oh. The mere thought of such ingratitude plunges my soul into so dark a mood, such horror grips my heart. <gasps> I gasp for breath and cannot speak. I feel myself near death. You blackguard! Why did I spare you? Why did I not break you into little pieces on the spot? Close yourself. And don't be hurt, dear friend. These scenes, these dreadful quarrels have got to end. I've much upset your household and I perceive the best thing would be for me to leave. What are you saying? Well, they're all against me here. They'd have you think me false and insincere. Stop. What of that? Have I ceased believing in you? Their adverse talk will certainly continue. Charges which you now repudiate, you may find credible at a later date. No. No, brother. Never. Brother, a wife can sway her husband's mind in many a subtle way. No. No. To leave at once is the solution. Thus only can I end their persecution. No, 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 no! I'll not allow it. You shall remain. Oh, uh, well, twill mean much martyrdom and pain, but if you wish it, uh, enough, so be it. But one thing must be settled as I see it. For your dear honor and for our friendship's sake, there's one precaution I feel bound to take. I shall avoid your wife and keep away. No. You shall not. Whatever they may say, it pleases me to vex them. And for spite, I'd have them see you with her day and night. What's more, I'm going to drive them to despair by making you my only son and heir. This very day, I'll give to you alone clear deed and title to everything I own. A dear, good friend and son-in-law to be is more than wife or child or kin to me. Will you accept my offer, dearest son? In all things, let the will of heaven be done. Oh, poor fellow. Come, come, we'll go draw up the deed. Then let them burst with disappointed greed. Thank you for listening to Standby for Places. New episodes come out every Wednesday, so don't forget to subscribe. For more information and to learn how you can donate, visit our website at standbyforplaces.org. For behind-the-scenes content and to get news on our upcoming projects, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com standbyforplaces and our Instagram at standbyforplacespod. Thank you for listening to Standby for Places. New episodes come out every Wednesday, so don't forget to subscribe. For more information and to learn how you can donate, visit our website at standbyforplaces.org. For behind-the-scenes content and to get news on our upcoming projects, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash standbyforplaces or our Instagram at standbyforplacespod.